0: Take your Bibles and turn not to the book of James, thank you, sir, but to Genesis chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32, and in just a moment, we'll read in verse 1. I was uh, thinking about uh, some things that I watched on television when I was a child. How many of you ever watched wrestling? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? How many of you know who Lance Russell is? Does anybody know? How about Dave Brown? Anybody know who that is? Why do you know them? Because they were the what? The announcers, right? And do you remember some of the people that wrestled? Does anybody remember Jerry Lawler? Does anybody remember Herb Welch? Now we're backing up. And does anybody remember Tojo Yamamoto? Tojo got shoe. Tojo got shoe. I hit you with wooden shoe. Wrestling. Did you know that God is a wrestler? And there's one of the most famous wrestling matches ever in the Bible in Genesis 32. When God wrestles, he always wins. One way or the other, no one has ever defeated God in a wrestling match. And I'm talking to some people right now, you're in the midst of wrestling with God. God has put you in a corner for his purposes. You don't really like it. It might be an illness. It might be a family situation. It might be something financial. It might be a lot of different things. But God has put you in a place where you're going to have to deal with him one way or the other. And the best thing to do is to give in and to surrender and to give up. Because when you do, that's when life begins. There was a man named Jacob that had to learn that. He had to learn that the sooner you surrender to God and and just acquiesce and say, Lord, I give this to you, the better for everyone, including yourself. God this week literally jumped off the page to my heart in this text. This is not a text that uh, I just randomly chose. This text chose me and chose you and chose this moment. So let's go to Genesis 32 because I like to work all the way through Scripture. It's a lengthy Scripture, so we won't read it and then go through it. We'll just go through it, and I promise you, We'll look at every single word. Let's pray before we do. I want you to have an open heart. And look at me. I, I'm not trying to get you to everybody do what I say, but I, I just love when, when I'm praying to the Lord and I want to receive something, I put my hands like, out like this. So if you want to do something like that while we're praying, just to receive, just do it even now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we receive this word from you. We want not to hear some preacher, we want to hear you. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Say that with me. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, and if that's your prayer, say amen. 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 When you wrestle with God and he wins, what happens? Number one, God bends us with our problems. Sometimes we think the devil sends all the problems. I got news for you. God sends problems because it's during times of problems that we look to him for help. Somebody said you're either going into a storm or you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm, but God does not protect you from the storm, but he protects you in the storm. And some of you have great storms, and I don't want to you know, just talk about it lightly. I know that it's hard. I'm not putting you down. But Jacob had a real storm. Jacob was God's man, but he was also a troubled man And most of his troubles were self-inflicted. I know that not all of our troubles are self-inflicted, but many of them are. Jacob had stolen from his brother Esau, not once, but twice. He stole his birthright. He said, I want your birthright to his brother Esau who was older. And Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. I want to tell you, that was a bad deal, all right? Bad deal. You can read about it in Genesis 25. And later on, Jacob wanted the even more important part of his older brother, and that was not only his birthright, but his firstborn blessing. So he dressed up like Esau, went to his blind father Isaac, pretended to be Esau, fed him some food, and then Isaac gave that blessing of the firstborn to the one who was not the firstborn, and it was irrevocable. And Jacob stole his brother's birthright and his blessing. You want to know Esau's response? Genesis 27, verse 38, when he walked back and he came in and he was the real deal and he was the one that was supposed to serve his father the food. He came in with the food. Jacob had already beaten him to it. Isaac said, I've already given your brother your blessing and your birthright, and it's gone. And here's what Esau pleaded, verse 38 in chapter 27 of Genesis But do you have only one blessing? Oh, my father, bless me too. Then then Esau broke down and wept. So he was sorrowful. He had remorse, but then that remorse turned into revenge. Later on, he would say in verse 41, from that time on, Esau hated Jacob. These are brothers now, because their father had given Jacob the blessing, and Esau began to scheme. I will soon be mourning my father's death, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Jacob found out about it. He left town. He went to his uncle's house under the guidance of his mother. Her brother Laban lived in the area of Haran. He thought he would go just for a few months. He wound up staying 20 years and they were long, tough, hard Years. God disciplined him for what he did for 20 years. In that time, though, he also blessed him. He married two sisters, Leah and Rachel, had 11 sons, one daughter. And in our text, he has left Haran and he's going back to Isaac, his father, and he's going to have to face. Esau, I want to tell you something. Many times in life, we have to face these broken relationships that we've got. And the only one that can help us in that is God Almighty. And so he's coming back to a wounded brother. How's that going to go? The Bible says the Lord met him to encourage him with a host of angels. Look at verse 1 in chapter 32. Now, as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. That's a good sign, right? Jacob said, when he saw them, this is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanine. He had this revelation. He had this encounter with angels. And surely he was going to need them because tough things were on their way. Jacob saw that. Jacob sent news to Esau Hey, I'm coming home. But the response was not very good. In fact, it was frightening. Look at verses three through six. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau. This is after he had seen the angels in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them saying, thus you shall say to my Lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, he's very humble about it, I have sojourned with Laban, that's their uncle, stayed until now, I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants, I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau, furthermore, he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. Uh Uh-oh. Doesn't sound like reconciliation, does it? 20 years later, after Jacob wronged Esau, Esau was still bitterness. I want to tell you, you can let bitterness eat you alive if you don't give it up to the Lord. Esau had not given it up to the Lord. He was coming not to welcome his brother Jacob, the deceiver. That's what Jacob means, deceiver but rather he was coming with an army of 400 men to wipe him and his whole family out and kill all the animals and leave nothing behind. He was a bitter man. And Jacob panicked. He devised a cunning plan. Look at verses seven through eight. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, if Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company... Which is left will escape. Don't you know his wife's appreciated that? Uh, uh, Honey, a a bad thing's coming. I'm gonna put y'all up here in the front, okay? If he gets one of you, I'm going with the other, okay? Yeah, there's the schemer. God got Jacob's attention. How? Through a problem, through a tribulation, through a difficulty. God bit him by sending a problem his way. When I started living for Jesus at the age of 18, I learned a song and I still sing it to this day. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. Andre Crouch wrote it. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong, but in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend on his word. So I thank him for the mountains and I thank him for the valleys and I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. How many of you God has brought you through a storm? Amen, don't you thank thank him for he did? Let's thank him right now that he did, all right? Before I even finish these words, amen, amen. For if I'd never had a problem, everybody say problem. If I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andre Crouch. God bends us with our problems. Hey, let me let you in on something. God is going to blow some of your minds. He is not the least bit interested in you being comfortable. God is interested in you being Christ-like. And if you're not doing what He wants, He holds you in His hands, amen? But He can let anything He wants slip through those fingers. And He'll let a trouble or a trial or a problem come your way. And when he does, you need to say, praise God, things are looking good for a miracle. There's nothing like a problem to get your attention. God knows that. Do you remember what we said in James chapter one, verses two through four? Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble, this is new living translation. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, that is, mature and complete, needing nothing. It's those trials That's when you turn to the Lord. When everything's going well, we have a tendency just to throw it in neutral and not make any progress. But when we have something going on and we need God, we press in. So God just lets those things come on a regular basis because he knows that's what we're going to need to get us close to him. You say, but I, I thought if I, I met Jesus, I'd never have another problem. I've got a Greek word for that. Ha! <laughs> Second Timothy 3.12 blows that out of the water. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We're praying for the persecuted church this week. And today is prayer for the persecuted church. Let's pray for them right now. There are people giving their lives to, for the gospel of Jesus Christ all over this world, not because the gospel is not advancing, but because it is advancing, all right? People are dying in China right now, but the gospel is spreading like crazy. Let's pray for them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus on this day, Where we pray, are to pray for the persecuted church. Lord, we've got it so easy. We think somebody persecutes us if they say something bad about us, but there are our brothers and sisters, Lord, are dying in China, they're dying in North Korea, they're dying. In Vietnam, they're dying. In other places like Iran, dear God, and India, oh God in heaven, be with them. Help them to stand true like Stephen right before he died. Let them give glory to you. Let the witness continue and let the gospel take over these nations that we just prayed for and bless our brothers and sisters and give them strength and give them your presence for in your presence is fullness of joy. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, say amen. If we get to where we can't do that, we don't need to have church, amen? If you're saved and you're facing a problem, God allowed it and more than likely he ordained it because he knows what you need better than you do. Better than you do. Crises are the road to Christ likeness. I'll say that again. Crises are the road to Christ's likeness. And that's our goal, to be like Christ. God bends us with our problems. But God doesn't stop there. What else does he do, Brother Steve? He breaks us from our pride. Pride is at the root of almost every sin. Jacob prayed, but he wasn't fully trusting the Lord. If he just stuck with the prayer, he'd have been okay. It's what he did afterward where he messed up. Look at this prayer. Jacob said, verse 9, oh God of my father. I want to tell you what, when you get in a problem, you don't say God of my father. You say, oh God my father. We've lost the oh in our prayers because we're not desperate for God. When you see the word oh, That's somebody really pouring out their heart to God. Oh, God of my father, Abraham. God of my father, Isaac. Oh, Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. What's he doing? He's praying the promise of God that God gave him back to the God who made the promise. That's what he's doing. That's what we ought to do. I'm unworthy of all the loving kindness of all the faithfulness faithfulness which you have shown to your servant for with my staff all I had when I left my house when I came down here only with my staff I crossed this Jordan and now look Lord I've become two companies deliver me I pray from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children for you said and he does it one more time he he, he talks to God and said here's what you said I've I'm banking on your promise. I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. Oh, if only he had just prayed and trusted God right then and right there. What an awesome prayer, but he didn't. Once he left the prayer closet, he started plotting again. That's what we do. We got to all these plotting ideas, and we we pray and we say we're gonna give it to God, and then we take it back and we start plotting. That's what we do. That's what he did. We're going to help God out. After all, God helps those who help themselves. Did you know that is not in the Bible? Verse 13, so he spent the night there. He's going to fix it. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milking camels, And their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys, he delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on before me, put a space between droves. You see what he's doing there? Because when you space it out, it even looks like a bigger gift than it was. And then he says in verse 17, he commanded the one in front saying, "When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, to whom do you belong and where are you going and to whom do these animals in front of you belong, then you shall say, these belong to your servant Jacob. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us." Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the drove saying, "After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him and you shall say, Behold, your servant; that is your slave, Jacob. Also is behind you, for he said, "I will appease him with the present that God go that goes before me. Then afterward, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me." So the present passed on before him, while he himself spent that night in the camp. Then now he arose and the same night, that same night, and took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok and he took them and sent them across the stream and he sent them across whatever, he sent across whatever he had. Jacob prayed, but he continued to worry. I want to say that again. Jacob prayed and he continued to worry. I heard a great Sunday school lesson, life group lesson this morning. Steve Weary was teaching out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything but what? Pray about everything. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. What is that? Your feelings. And your mind. What's that? Your thoughts. That's where we got to deal with life, isn't it? In Christ Jesus so here he is all worried. He's prayed, but he's not really walking in faith. God knew it was time for this bent man to be broken. And only God knows when it's that time. God will bend you, but if you won't conform, if he has to, he'll break you. I want to say that again. God will bend you with problems, but if you don't conform to his will, he also knows how to break you. Jacob was so stubborn, God said, okay, bending's not working. Gonna have to break him. And he is going to come in the form of a man who is God, the angel of the Lord. And I believe that is the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, who is the God-man, Jesus. And you're gonna see that Jacob worshiped this man. He knew he had been in the presence of the Lord. I've had some people say, that can't be because God says don't worship angels. I'm not talking about worship angels. I know you're not supposed to worship just any regular angel, although if we see them, whoever sees them, they fall down. They always say, get up. But when these, when this angel showed up, he accepted the worship because he's the angel of the Lord. He is the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. This is God wrestling with man. Then Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Notice several things. Jacob was left alone. And he encountered God. Some of you don't realize that some of the loneliness you have is a gift from God. Because if you know the Lord, look at me. You are never alone, never alone. And sometimes God has to get you alone out of the crowd. Oh, we like crowds because when we have crowds, we can talk to each other. But man, when God gets you alone, that's when God works on you. He was alone with him. Some of you need, that's why Jesus said, when you pray, go in your closet by yourself, shut the door and just get there with God and watch what I do. Oh, we don't like that, but I want to tell you something. You need to learn the language of loneliness. That's what prayer is, the language of loneliness, and you'll find out you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's obvious, by the way, not only was he alone, but the angel of the Lord approached Jacob. Jacob didn't approach him. God initiates these kind of encounters, and God was not gentle with Jacob. Oh, Lord, be gentle with me. God says, that's not what you need. I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to mess with you a little bit. Don't tell me God doesn't know that. I've been living with the Lord a long time. He wrestled with him physically but also spiritually spiritually. And he deprived him of sleep. We think, oh, we've got to get seven hours of sleep. I want to tell you something. There are people all over America that stayed out all last night drinking and being immoral and doing drugs. They do it for sin. I want to tell you something. Jesus stayed up all night praying, other people stayed up all night praying. Have you ever stayed up all night praying? People say, I don't have time to pray. Then you say, I have to get my sleep. No, you don't. Once in a blue moon, you can check out on that and maybe just get four or five hours of sleep and pray more, or maybe pray the whole night through. I don't know what you're going through, but if you get desperate enough, you can even give up sleep for God. That's not what my doctor said. I'm not talking about what your doctor said. I'm not mad at your doctor. But if Jesus did it and others did it, we need to do it. And he was up all night with God and it changed his life. We want God to change our life, but we don't want to pay any price. We want cheap grace. That's what we want. Verse 25, when he saw that he had not prevailed against him, that is, the angel Lord had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched the socket of his thigh. That's where the song, that's where Bill Gaither got, he touched me right there. I'm kidding. So the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. God saw Jacob's determination and he loved it. He knew that Jacob had finally gotten desperate for God. Jacob knew it, God knew it, God liked it and God wounded him and gave him a Jacob's limp. He altered Jacob's health and that's the way God works in the lives of a lot of people. He alters our health to get our attention for the rest of our lives. And we know that this affected the rest. Of, he limped the rest of his life because when you read about his death in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he died leaning on his staff. He was still limping decades later when he died. Why would God do that? God's the healer. Why would, he, why would he touch somebody in their hip and dislocate their hip? Every, look at me. Look at me. Every time he limped, he was reminded of how God blessed him this night. Before this is over with you, will know why God did that. He gave him a Jacob's lamp. And some of you have a Jacob's lamp. I have a Jacob's lamp. Verse 26, then he said, let me go, this is the angel of the Lord, for the dawn is breaking. I heard Dr. Rogers preach on this one time. He was saying, he said, he was saying, let me go, but he was saying, boy, I hope you don't. Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, some of y'all are not going to believe what he said, I will not let you go, unless you bless me. Would you pray that with me? Let's all say it together. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Oh, I would never say that to God. That's why you won't get what Jacob got. God likes that kind of talk. God likes that kind of prayer. He wants you to latch on like a pit bull and saying, I'm sick of all that. I'm tired of all that. I want you. I want you more than I want my next breath. You can kill me. You can do whatever you want to with me, but I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you either change this situation or you change me. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. God, now look at me. That's when God works, when you get to desperate, when you get to desperate. So he said, what's your name? He said, Jacob. Now, this is more than just repeating a name. In wrestling matches, in those days and even today, the guy that's winning The guy that's losing, the guy that's winning has got a headlock on him. The guy that's losing says uncle or says his name. He surrenders. That's what Jacob was doing. He was surrendering. He was identifying himself, but he was, he, it was more than surrender. He was, he was saying, what's your name? And do you know what his name meant? His name meant con man. I am a trickster and I've lived up to my name. I have conned my brother. I have been a trickster all my life. I've always tried to fix things myself. And I'm sorry. He was confessing his sins, and he was also surrendering to the Lord. When he said his name, Jacob, his whole life changed. His whole life changed because he committed that beautiful act of surrender before God. I got some relatives here on the front row. They're my only living family besides our kiddos. And Donna's, all all her sisters are down there. Let's thank the Lord for them. Mr. and Miss Dodge down here. They're all in the front row. Amen. They remember and I remember back in 2000 when I got myasthenia gravis and I couldn't dress myself. I found out what kind of wife I had. A good one. And... I went through a time I, I was proud of being strong. I was 42 years old. I'd played football and lifted weights and all that stuff. I lost all of it. I couldn't even brush my teeth. I couldn't do anything. And what I have was is still take just a little bit of medicine. My asthenia gravis, which is Greek for my, is the little word there in the front, for muscular. Asthenia is the Greek word for weakness. Gravis is grave or severe. So severe muscular weakness. Paul, I was reading one day, and Paul had a thorn in the flesh. How many of you ever read about that? He prayed three times for God to take it away. God says, no, no, no. How many of you know that no is an answer? I got an answer to prayer. Brother Steve, God said no. (laughs) And after the third time, Paul realized what was going on. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And God, he has said to me, my grace is sufficient. Say that with me. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in what? In what? And what is the word for weakness? Asthenia. Asthenia. Power is perfected not just in health, but in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, my asthenia, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. God will not and God cannot use proud, arrogant people that depend on themselves. He can only use broken, humble people who depend on him. Why? Because God's glory is not for any human being. It's only for God. The Bible says in Isaiah 48, verse 11, for my own sake, God is speaking. For my own sake, I will act. For how can my name be profaned, And my glory, now watch this, I will not give to another. And we'd better be glad that God doesn't share his glory with us. I want to say this to you. I, I pray for the presence of God and for the glory of God to fill this house. But if we were to see all of God's glory, if we would be in the presence of all of God's glory for a split second, we would burn up. The only person that can handle the, the glory of God is the God of glory. So it's a very benevolent, sweet thing that he doesn't share his glory with us, it would kill us. We couldn't handle it. And so God, when we humble ourselves, And we get holy before him. We jettison our pride like Jacob did. God wrestles with us and pins us. He breaks us from our pride. When God wrestles with us, he bends us with our problems, breaks us with our pride. You say, this is the most depressing sermon I've ever heard in my life. Well, we hadn't gotten... Point three. You might shout. If you want to do a lap, go for it. God blesses us for his purposes. Amen. But not until he bends us and breaks us. Look at verse 28. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob. You're through being the deceiver. You're through being the con man. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and prevailed. Israel, it means I have striven with God. I have prevailed. He has striven. He had devoted himself to serious effort and energy. He had endeavored to walk with God, to grab hold of God. He didn't strive and struggle anymore. He didn't oppose God. He didn't fight God. Some of you are fighting God right now. You're pushing back. You know what he wants, but you don't want to give it. And that's why you're in the state that you're in. That's why the Bible is as hard as a brick to you right now. That's why prayers are not answered. That's why you get nothing much out of a service like this. You're cold to the things of God. It's because you have not surrendered. And I love this. He grabbed hold of God. God grabbed hold of him. The Lord blessed him for staying up all night and wrestling with him. You say, that's works. No, it's not. It's obedience and it's hunger for God, and God loves it. God loves it. Look at verse 29. Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. God said, no, 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 no. No, I'm not the one surrendering here. Uh Uh-uh. Why is it that you asked me my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob blessed the Lord because the Lord blessed him. On that hollowed ground where a desperate, sinful man wrestled in faith with God, God changed his name to Israel, one of the most famous names in all of history. Jacob had a new name, Israel, a new perspective, walk in faith, not in fear, a new lamp that would remind him every day that God was in charge of his life. It was not Jacob anymore. It was Israel. It was the God of Israel walking with him and through him, Jacob learned that God was in charge of his life. Verse 30, so Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life was preserved. Look at verse 31. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Peniel, and he was limping on his thigh. Can you imagine him walking into camp assuming that his wives would speak to him after he put them first. But after he got through apologizing, he was walking like this. It was probably something like this. <laughs> and he comes in. Can't, can't you imagine what he looked like? I think his hair was all messed up. <laughs> I think the Lord slapped the dog out of him. Amen. I'm just, I just think he whacked him. Amen. I think his clothes were torn, he's walking in like this. Can you see his boys? Daddy, daddy, what happened to you? I got blessed. I got blessed. God bent me. God broke me. But he did it so he could bless me. Could we say that together? God bent me, God broke me, and God blessed me. Say it again. God bent me, God broke me, God blessed me. Y'all hear how quiet it is in here? You know what that is, don't you? That is the Spirit of the living God talking to people. And saying don't you think you've worried long enough? Don't you think you've tried to do it your way long enough? Don't you think that you've tried to handle your marriage on your own long enough? Don't you think you've tried to handle your children on your own long enough? Don't you think you've tried to handle those situations at work by yourself long enough? Don't you think that maybe it's time to wrestle with me a little bit and let me win. Don't you think it's time to get desperate and say, I'm not letting you go until things change. I'm not letting you go until I get peace. I may not get what I want, but I'm not letting you go until I get what I need whether you heal me or not, whether the relationship works out or not, whether what I want happens or not, I want to know that I know that I know that I'm walking with you in obedience. I surrender all. Are you there? Are you there? That is, is what makes you, I like to call it, blessable. Some of y'all aren't blessable. And that's why you say, bless me, Lord, bless me. He said, I, I would if I, if you'd let me. I would if you'd get right with me. But Right now, you're too full of pride for me to bless you. You want to wrestle? Let's wrestle. Say, Uncle. Surrender, and watch what I can do. What happened to Jacob? Remember him? Oh, now, he's Israel. What happened? Did he meet Esau? Yes, he did. Look at the screen. Then Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming Oh, I thought God would just direct Esau. Would they just take away my brother? No. you got to face this stuff. And 400 men with him. Uh Uh-oh, the army is coming too. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids and their children out front. He's a coward. And Leah and her children next and Rachel and Joseph last. But he himself, now we see him. Now we see him. Okay. And he said, I I, I can't do that. I got to get out here in the front. I caused all this. That's when God, that's what God does when he breaks somebody. He can use them. He himself passed on ahead of them, bowed down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now look at this next verse. This is going to be worth you coming to church today. Then Esau ran to meet him. Did he kill him? No. He embraced him. And he didn't just kiss him. He fell all over him. It means he broke down. He kissed him. And they wept. Weeping is not crying. Crying is shedding a tear. Weeping is when you're heaving. And you're moaning and you're crying out to God. Hey, look, God was working on both ends. Isn't that the way God works? He was working on Jacob, and when Jacob got his stuff right, Esau was set free from his bitterness simultaneously. God is a big God, amen? amen. Some of y'all wanting these problems to move, God's saying, uh, You're the problem. The problem is just not over there. Problems, you too. You take care of your end, I'll take care of the other end. And they came together. Some of y'all are wrestling with God. It's time to surrender.